television uh, set watching this thing happen over and over, right? You're watching it like this crazy event where, uh, what, about 3,000 people lost their lives and uh, just a terror attack on our nation. I mean, it's so significant that you can say the words 9-11. No event is described by its date anywhere else. And you can talk about pre-9-11 America and post-9-11 America. It's so changed our nation. But we want to talk a little bit uh, before we dive into the Word and just spend a little bit of time praying for our nation. Uh, Tom, take this mic here. The Word tells us from John 10, 10. The thief comes... Not to comes except to only steal, to kill, and to destroy. God tells us, I have come, I have a plan that they have for your life, and that they may have a plan and have it more abundantly. Out of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I have and I think towards you, or a plan says the Lord, thoughts or plans of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yesterday I was watching a football game, and a public announcement, service announcement came on. First thing I thought of, 9-11. Thank God it was only a flash flood warning. But the fact that a plan that the enemy has to kill, steal, and destroy, that got my attention. But we serve a God... That has a plan, that has thoughts and hopes for us that are nothing but good. And today, Pastor Dave is going to lead us in, in through the word of about a life and more abundantly. We have the availability of a plan of salvation. And it's more than life insurance. More than life insurance. It's an eternal relationship plan that he has in mind for us. So today, as, as we commemorate... This, this incredible occasion, Pastor Dave's going to lead us in some, some prayer and some directive. And some of us might even have some people that, uh, that are involved in that situation, some family members. You know, so bring them, their families, lift them up to the Lord. But we know, like I say, Dave talked about a while back, no plan B. There's no going back. So with that in mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, what the enemy intended for evil, uh, God intends for good, right? And God brings redemption out of what was intended for evil. And where uh, I'm sure many of you know people who are affected by 9-11. It's just ripple, ripple effect all throughout the United States and even probably even the world. But yet, as we remember something that was intended for evil, we remember what God is doing to redeem, right? What God is doing to save nations, to transform our nation. And so I want to take a second. This is, we do this often in our church just to spend a little bit of time in prayer, right? Not like just me praying on a microphone, but every one of us lifting up our voice to the Lord, and ask the Lord to bring redemption. Ask Him to bring revival to our nation. Ask Him to comfort and heal and even uh, th- those families who are hurting. You know, kids who have lost parents who now 10 years later, you can imagine, right, that, you know, orphans or, or whatever. So just to lift them up and ask that the Lord would comfort them but also lead them to Himself, right? And then service people in our country giving their lives, even to this day, in a 10-year war almost, right? Iraq, Afghanistan, just giving their lives to basically try to secure peace and stuff like that. What, depending on our, it doesn't matter, I mean, right now, necessarily our opinion about the war or the 10-year war, but the reality is we have people giving their lives and laying that down. And, I mean, one of my own youth from our youth group you know, gave his life in Iraq 
you know, that, and why? Because of 9-11, right? So just to remember, to honor, and to pray for those family, to pray for our service people, not just ours, but other nations, people who are serving as well, that our, you know, that this world would be filled with the peace of God. Jesus said, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, right? When Jesus' glory fills the earth, he establishes justice and peace, right? And so that's what we want to pray for. So why don't you do that with me just for just a few seconds? Lift up your voice and ask the Lord for this kind of uh, salvation and revival. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Cool, good, thank you. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Let's all lift up our voice and just ask the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We do thank you that you are a God of redemption. You are a good God. And we thank you for that and we exalt you. Lord, we're asking that you would break off lies of the enemy that are on the hearts of Americans who don't know you, that they think that you're an evil God or you, they think that, that you're out to, uh, to destroy. But Lord, we ask that a revelation that you gave your only son as, as, as a sacrifice so that we could be saved. And we're asking you, Father, to bring revival to our nation, to bring redemption to our nation, to, to heal our land, to, to bring, bring people to you, bring a generation of young people to you and, and older people to you and bring healing to our economy. We're asking you, Lord, that, that you would protect and bless those people who are serving our nation, Lord God, that you would surround them. And we ask you, Lord, for your blessing on those families that, that lost someone. We ask that you would go to them. You would reveal yourself to them. Your presence and your comfort would be there. And that you would get the glory. That you would take what was bad. You would take what was broken. And you would turn it around and make it beautiful, Lord. We ask you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for uh, just joining me with that in prayer. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's dive into the, to the Word of God here for a little bit. And uh, the Lord has a word for us today, for you specifically, and, and it's such a huge thing that the Lord is saying. I'm just so, uh, so rocked by what the Lord wants to say to us. We're basically starting a series today, kind of a finance series, you know, on, and, and, and it's called From Lack to Abundance, and I'll talk about that here in just a second. And today I just want to introduce what the Lord is saying to our church all right, you guys ready? Yeah, all right. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just going to read verse 8. Just 9, 8, and we're just going to unpack this a little bit. It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Let me, let me read that again. I want us to capture what the Lord is saying today. I want you to hear what the Bible says, right? I'm just a messenger. <laughs> I'm just a messenger. So, Lord, open our eyes to see this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things, would have an abundance for every good work. What is he talking about there? What is he talking about? The whole passage before and after this verse is talking about financial giving, giving 
He's talking about money in this context. He's talking about people sowing financially into the kingdom, helping other people out, just like many of you do. Many of you give to the work of the kingdom. Many of you give to one another because you want to, uh, uh, you want to, you want to help out. You want to serve each other. He's talking about money. And in that context of calling forth uh, 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 giving, calling forth the church to be extravagant and provide for one another, in that context, he makes a statement, a promise from God. Right? He talks about what God is able and what God is willing and what God is going to do in their life as they follow Jesus, as they put their trust in Him, and as they step out in faith to, to, to do the work of Jesus, to give. He makes a promise, and he says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that so that you would have all sufficiency, right? Always having all sufficiency in all things. What's sufficiency? That just means having enough, right? That means that there is enough money at the end of the month, rather than, what do we say? Not enough money and too much month, right? The month is ending, or the money's ending, and the month is still going, right? See, sufficiency is having enough. And he says that God is able to make sure that you always have enough. Right? Not on every other month, right? God's like, well, I'll just make sure I provide for you on, on the odd number months. And he said, always having all sufficiency in all things. Right? In anything. Your house, your bills, car. Right? The things that are, 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 are in, in the most part, necessities. Like, I need some clothes. I need some food. I need a place to live. Right? in California transportation or something like that. But that the Lord would make sure that your needs are provided for. But what, what does abundance mean? See, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you'd have a sufficiency all the time. But then he goes on even further. Do you see that? That you may have an abundance. That you may have a abundance. What's abundance? It means having more than enough. Sufficiency is having enough. Abundance means having more than enough. It means having leftovers. It, it's, it's when you make too much food and you have leftovers. It, it's, it's when you fill a cup up with, with water and you've poured too much and it overflowed and it got all over the place. Right? That word abound or abundance could be translated exactly what I'm just saying. It's, it's often translated to overflow, to have leftovers, to have more than enough. To be affluent. Right? That's what affluence is. Did you know that? That's what the word affluence means. To have more than enough. That all your needs are met. Everything's taken care of. And yet you have more than enough. That you have more money or more provision or more resources at the end of the month. Right? That your provision is bigger than the month. And what the Lord is saying to us, let me tell you, this is what the Lord is saying, because I sought the Lord and I said, you know, Lord, do you really want me to talk about money? <laughs> you know? I was like, I don't know about this. I don't want to just do a series on money. Most of you guys know we don't just do sermons around here. You know, we want to hear what God has to say because God's Word has power to change us. And God's Word has wisdom. I don't want to give you just man's wisdom. I don't want to just give you some nice advice. I, I, that'd be like a waste of our time. I want to tell you what God is saying. And what the Lord told me is He said, Yes, I want you to talk to my people and I want you to tell them, I want to move them from lack to abundance. I want to free my people. I want to show them how to get out of lack and step into my abundance. 
And the Lord began to tell me, I want you to prepare my people. I want my people prepared to receive the abundance that I have for them. And He showed me whether, there, whether the recession gets worse, whether our economy gets worse, or whether the economy gets better. The Lord said, I want my people ready. Things get worse. He says, I want my people to know how to step out of lack and live in abundance, even if it gets worse. I'm not saying it will, but so what if it does? We're going to talk about that. But what if it gets better? What if things start abounding? What if the job market you know, picks up and blah, 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 and all that other stuff? What happens? God says, I want my people to know how to live in abundance. I want them to know how to receive it and to hold it and to flow in that abundance and not, when that blessing comes, to not step into lack or to continue to live in lack. The Lord wants us to be, get, get ready. And maybe we should have been already getting ready. Maybe some of you already are. If you're not, it's a good time to start, right? And maybe some of you are, but I'm telling you, there's more. There is more that the Lord wants to do. And the Lord wants to break off wrong ways of thinking. The Lord wants to increase our faith. The Lord wants to give us wisdom. The Lord wants to give us His power to do this. His power. Beyond our own abilities. Beyond the abilities of our government. Although we appreciate our government. Beyond the abilities of our of, of, of the, you know, human abilities with economy. God wants to be our provider. God wants to be the one to bless us. And the Lord is saying, I want to bless you. I want to be your provider. I want to lead you out of this. I want to change the way you think. And I want to pour out blessing on you. I want you to walk in abundance. That's what the Lord is saying today. And as I was studying this, I was just looking at the Word of God this week. I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I was overcome by the love of God for you, by the grace of God that He wants to cause to abound to you. I was overwhelmed by His desire, His desire that His people would abound and not live in lack. That's what I, I, I'm hearing it from Him. I'm, I'm feeling His heart towards you. And that's really what I want to talk to you about briefly today, His desire to cause abundance in your life. God's desire for abundance for His people. Now, of course, this means far more than finances. This doesn't even, definitely would not only apply to finances, and even in the, finances isn't even the first thing when it comes to abundance. But Jesus did say, I came to give life and life abundantly, overflowing life. Well, it doesn't primarily or wholly refer to money, but it definitely applies to it. Does anyone know that? definitely applies to it. Does God care about your finances? Does God want His people to abound? You might wonder that. You might question that. You might think, really? You're really going to talk about that? You're really going to talk about finances? You're really going to talk about how God wants people to live in abundance? Like, yeah. yeah I'm not, we're not going to talk about greed. Nope. We're not going to talk about the love of money. No, that's evil. That's the root of all evil. We're not going to talk about uh, um, selfishness, entitlement, Greed. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. No, that's not what the kingdom is all about. Not at all. Right? We're not going to talk about the deceitfulness of wealth. People who think, oh, money's going to fix all my problems. No, it's not. But we are going to talk about the fact that this is the desire of God's heart. This is the word of the Lord to us. This is what the word of God says. That he wants his people out of lack and into abundance. I'm going to show you that in the word of God. And we're going to see, really over the number of weeks that we do this, that we're going to see that we need to make some adjustments. We need to make a lot of adjustments with the way we think and talk and live. Make a lot of adjustments. And the Lord's going to deal with us on those things. But you will never make those adjustments if you don't believe that He is able to make all grace abound to you. Right? 
that God is able to provide for every single one of your needs all the time and beyond your needs to cause you to abound, cause you to flourish, cause you to have financially more than enough. And we're going to talk about ultimately why that is for every good work. But I just want to, I just want to focus you on this reality that God desires abundance. You know, I was joking with you guys a couple weeks ago. We spent all summer talking about how God sows uh, His Word into our hearts, right? And how God gets His will done, His Word accomplished in our life. Anyone remember that? I think those of you who were with us all summer, just been building up our faith. The Lord's been teaching us to stand on His Word, to believe His Word, even in the hard times. And I, I joked with you that my, my daughter is like a... a She's just like a vegetarian. My goodness, you know? I love it. You know, I, I remember cutting up a little tomato. She was not even like, she was like one years old and, and cutting up a tomato. And I say, here, Emma, you want a tomato? And she takes the tomato and like two seconds later, I want more, I want more, more, more. And I'm like, what happened to the other one? You know, what happened to the tomato? She like inhaled it. You know, my kids, you know, I don't know what it is. John, they obviously eat cookies and stuff, but, you know, we feed them like lettuce and cucumbers and tomatoes. Emma won't even eat hamburger. She won't even eat chicken. I'm like, what's wrong with you? No, I'm joking. I never say that. I'm being silly. Uh, but we're like, you know, she just wants vegetables, praise God, you know. But what, what, did I, what did I say to you, though? I said, if you need tomatoes in your, in your diet, you know, like, you know, your body will crave certain things, right? Oh, you need, you know, nutritionists know, like, oh, you know, your body might crave a certain food because you need that certain kind of vitamin. If you need tomatoes in your diet, you know, you need certain kind of uh, uh, vitamin in your diet and it's found in a certain kind of food, what do you do? I know us, we'd go to the store, but in the kingdom of God, what do you do? If you need something in your life from God, if you need tomatoes, what do you do? You go plant tomato seeds. In the kingdom, you don't get fully formed fruit. See, people want microwavable Christianity, don't they? They want just, right? Oh, Dave's going to talk about abundance. That must mean he's going to talk about a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not going to talk about a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, that you take the word of God that has the wisdom and the power to transform you, and it says right there in the word of God that he wants to pour blessings so that you abound for every good work, and you take that promise, you take that truth that contains the power of God to make that happen in your life, and you plant it like a seed in your life until it bears fruit. And so the reality is the Lord is not kind of, it's not like we're talking about money and we're going to stop talking about the kingdom. No, we're going to talk about the fact that if you're a part, if you're His people, if you are in the kingdom, if you are walking with Jesus, He wants His people to abound. And what we need to do is we need to prepare. By how? Planting these things into our heart. We need to focus on this area of our life. Because it's a very important area. Anyone think about your finances this week? Anyone worry about it? Like maybe we should talk about it. You know? Well, I got it, I got it. Well, we wouldn't want people to be greedy, so let's not talk about money. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, don't talk to your kids about sex. They'll find it out somewhere. Right? No, let's not talk about money. That will help the church not worry. Did Jesus avoid the subject of money? Not at all. Why? Because he knew people were wrestling with it, dealing with it, struggling. Yeah? And so he said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Those who are struggling. Those who are in lack. And he came to bring life and life to the fullest. See, lack is never the will of God. I mean, we say, well, maybe God bring his people into the wilderness to teach them something. Totally. He just didn't want them to stay there. But lack is never a good thing. 
is never associated with a blessing in the Old Testament. You do not see God, or the New Testament. You do not see God saying, I would like my people to be blessed. Follow me. Brian, I want you to follow me and I will make you poor. Where, where do you find that in the Bible anywhere? Oh yes, if you will be my covenant people, I will make sure that you're struggling and you lack. Where do you find that in the promises of God? Never. Every time in the Old Testament and the New Testament where lack is talked about. It is always talked about as something that's not good. Let me tell you, it starts with Genesis chapter 3 when God curses the ground and says, man, you're going to struggle to even get crops to come out of that ground. Why? Oh, is that because like, that's all, all, that was God's original intent for the universe? Oh, is that, that's how heaven's going to look like? Yeah, when we go to heaven. We're going to go to heaven and we're going to struggle. Man, I'm really hungry in heaven. Come to heaven where you can be hungry and not have enough food. We don't really have enough food in heaven, but would you come anyways? Please? Come on. Right? There's no lack. There's abundance in the kingdom of God. When we go to heaven, we're not gonna, there's not going to be poor people. There's not going to be people struggling to pay their bills. There's not going to be hungry people. Right? I mean, honestly, how many of you wake up and say, Oh, I really hope I can't pay my mortgage today. Uh, I, I just... I, today, I hope I don't get a job. How, how many of you, when you were kids... Or no, go to, like, go to an elementary school. How many, you know, interview elementary school kids and say, like, okay, what do you guys want to do in your life? And, and ask them, like, so how many of you want to, like, not have any money? Oh, come on. Every little kid is like, dude, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is healthy necessarily, but every kid's like, man, I want the iPad, and I want to have a nice car, and I want to have this, and everything like that. I'm not saying that's necessarily healthy. It's kind of a consumeristic mentality. But at the same time, like, you don't have kids going, yeah, I really hope that my life is a mess. And I, and, I, and I do nothing with my life, and I, and I struggle, and, and, and live in poverty and sickness. I mean, come on. Really? Really? Is that really the desire of your heart? Is that really what God desires? No. No, every time that lack is talked about in the Bible, it's talked about as a result of three things. Either the curse, the fall, the brokenness of this world, which happened, uh, I'm pretty sure, not because of God's will, because of sin and demonic oppression. Yes. It's also, every time lack is talked about, it's talked about because of injustice which would become the human beings wronging other human beings. It's also, uh, lack is always associated with laziness, foolishness, and sin. It's never associated with the blessing and the promises of God. Amen? Oh, come on. Okay, Proverbs, uh, I, I'm, we can't turn there because we've got to go quickly, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll reference them for you. Proverbs 22, 7. This, the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Is, is debt... Affluence? Is debt abundance? Uh, hmm. When you owe someone money, that would be a negative, not a positive, right? You owe money, you don't have money. You're the borrower, not the lender. You're the one, please give me money. Not the one saying, would you like me to help you out there, right? Lack and debt, dude, go hand in hand, right? If you're in debt, you're in lack. In America... Where Americans, may, they, they, they put about like, oh, you know, like 8% on the credit card and, you know, save like in a year and save like less than 1%. Hmm. Uh, you're just digging the ditch deeper, aren't you? Right? Is that abundance? Is that affluence? It's false affluence, isn't it? It's fake. Oh, yeah, really? America, real rich nation. Man, we, what are you talking about? China owes us. No, I mean, owns us. No, I'm just, I'm being silly. But. <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm not saying that like investment debt, you know, like uh, for a business or a house where it's wise and it's practical, low interest rates and things like that, isn't, it couldn't be a, a, it could be a good thing, you know? 
Yeah, you borrow some seed from the other farmer, and you sow it in the ground, and you make a crop, and you give them back a seed, and you get abundant. Yeah, praise God, hallelujah, investment. But credit card, that, that's just crazy, right? The borrower is servant to the lender. It's like indentured servitude, right? You're working for someone else. You're working for MasterCard. Yeah? You're a slave to the person you're borrowing money to at an exorbitant rate. Craziness. Craziness. It, if debt isn't sin, it's at least absolute foolishness and never how God would lead us to. Right? Consumer debt is crazy debt. And debt is always considered a form of slavery. In fact, do you remember in Deuteronomy 15, God says every... Most people think in the, in the Torah it was every 40 years that God had the jubilee to release debt. No. Every 40 years, the land went back to the people of God. In Deuteronomy 15, every seven years, cancellation of debts. That's the will of God. That's the heart of God. That He would say every seven years, if you have lended to somebody, you must release them from the debt. Somebody falls on hard times. Famine happens. We live in a broken world. Justice is to give to others to help them. Yes? And justice is to release them from that obligation after seven. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? See, I've been meditating on this for thinking about, for thinking about even what our government and our economy, or even just the church... The people of God would rise up and do things differently. But we don't even talk about the macro stuff today. Sometimes I want to talk about, I want to talk about like economic strategies for, for, the, for, the, for our economy. You know, I want to be a part of the solution. But right now, just you and I, right here, God wants to release you from the debts. It's lack. It's bondage. It's slavery. It's not God. See, I've got to convince you that lack is bad, right? And I've got to convince you that that's not the desire and the will of God. Because if you don't believe that, you're always going to be like, well, you know, it's just, you know, it's just the way it is, you know? Well, you know, if it's God's will, you know, I just figure, like, whatever happens, you know, that's just like whatever. I just, I just roll with it, man. I just roll with it. We're not supposed to just let anything happen. We're the people of God, right? We live in the kingdom. Things don't die in the kingdom. You put something in the ground, it produces fruit in the kingdom. Amen? How about, how about uh, uh, Proverbs 13, 24? There is, there, is, there is much. There is fallowness. It says there is fallowness. Oh, here, let me. I, no, that's not it. <laughs> Scrap that one, sorry. <laughs> Proverbs 13. It's in the thir- That's in 13. I told my, Proverbs 13, 23, I told my class that I'm like the guy who gives like bad directions. Go left, I mean right. You know, I know chapters like really well. Verses, not so much. It's a good thing the Holy Spirit didn't inspire the verses, you know what I'm saying? I know the word, just not the verses. Okay, I'm just being silly. Proverbs 13, 23 says this. Listen to this. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. For lack of justice, there is waste, or literally a taking away. Let me tell you something. Injustice causes poverty. What is he saying there? What is God saying there? It says there, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Let me tell you, there's a whole ground that's been uncultivated. Uncultivated. And you know what that ground is? That is potential money. Right? Money grows on trees. You know that, right? It's called fruit. For a farmer, money grows on trees. And there is fruit in that ground. There is potential in that ground. There is food in that ground. But someone's going hungry. Why? Because that ground's gone uncultivated. And this verse is saying there's a reason why. It's called injustice. 
It's called bad economic systems. It's, bad, it's called governments that are selfish, not serving the, 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 the poor and stuff like that. Right? Injustice that causes people, families, generations to live in a cycle of poverty and lack. Yeah? You say, well, that just happens in Africa. Yeah, it's pretty bad in Africa. Like, how many of us are like, well, we don't have to go over to Africa because, you know, they're just so blessed over there. We don't need to help them. Oh, you know, they die of, like, silly diseases that, like, a, 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 a dollar medication could solve. But we don't have to go over there because they're blessed. They're just blessed. Come on. No, what are you talking about? Of course they're blessed. Jesus loves them and died for them and all that kind of stuff. They're blessed in that way. But my goodness, right? They need, they need help in those things. They need economy, right? Well, oh, but in America, man, we're affluent, aren't we? Oh, come on, Dave. We're affluent. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, trillions of dollars of debt, tons of consumer debt. How about this recession, right? You say that, uh, yeah, but there's no opportunity. There's no jobs. Oh, yeah, there are. Oh, there's jobs. There's lots of jobs. A lot of part-time jobs. A lot of jobs that don't pay enough. But there are jobs. There, 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 there are engineering positions and medical positions and technology positions that are, that are going unfulfilled because, you know, nobody to fill them. There's jobs out there. There's opportunity. And sometimes it's just laziness. That's the other reason. It's just Proverbs 10, 4, and 5 says that, 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 that laziness, a slack hand, will cause poverty. But the diligent make rich. The diligent make rich. Diligence isn't just working hard. It's working smarter. It's preparing. All right? But I'm telling you, some people work hard, but they're still in justice. I'm telling you, man, you, that's the thing. You live in a, you live in a government oppressed, being oppressed by like a dictator. Now you can work hard, but might not get very far, right? Injustice causes lack. Debt causes lack. Famines and, you know, things like that. You know, droughts and stuff like that cause lack. Recessions cause lack. It's not the will of God. It's not the desire of God. You know, did you know that, that there's a lot of money in America? Did you know that? There's a lot of money out there. You say, it ain't in my bank account. Did you know that there are a lot of jobs and a lot of potential? Did you know that, um, that, in fact, businesses are making a lot of money lately? You wouldn't know that, would you? Do you know that the economy actually is not in many ways shrinking? You know what the problem is, yeah? The average CEO makes 300 times the average employee. That's craziness! 300 times the average employee? That's wickedness! That's, that's, I mean, hey, you know, let's take into account they work harder and their job is really, really important. You know, I mean, everyone's important, but you know what I'm saying, vital to the economy. You know what I'm saying, take into account all the factors for all that stuff, right? Hours worked and labor and skill and education and all that stuff. 300 times? That's craziness. Other people, like in Japan, they make like three, you know, I don't know, three, five, I don't know, Brian, how much like in Japan? What's the average CEO make more? Average. Maybe 36. Yeah. 300 times versus 36 times. It's just craziness. Let, let me tell you something. The problem in America is not that there's not jobs and things like that. The problem is that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. About a few years ago, our country reached the greatest disparity between the rich and the poor. I'm telling you, that's a sign of a greater problem. That's called, um, I'm seeing the fruit up here, and that's telling me there's something wrong with the, with the root, right? That's a symptom. You know, when you sneeze and you cough and you have a throat ache, you don't go, what's your problem? I have a cough. And you say you have a cold, right? It's a symptom of a problem. There are, there are symptoms all around us of, of, a, of a decaying economy that's being eaten from the inside out. Because when a few have the power and the money, things don't flow, right? See, it's not that the pie is not getting bigger. It's just that certain people aren't eating a lot of the pie. It's to call it a distribution of wealth. And I'm not talking about communism. I'm not talking about uh, socialism. I'm not talking about that. 
Read the Torah, right? Read the first five books of the Bible. God wanted economic distribution in a fair way. Yes, you work hard, you make money. I, I love capitalism in that sense. Praise God, hallelujah. But there is injustice that's causing things to be hindered, right? We say, well, what are we going to do about that? Oh, woe is us. We need to look to the government. We need to look to, you know, economic professionals. I don't know what to do. We're the people of God. We, our hope is not... In this nation or this economy. This economy completely fail. Could, I mean, could it completely fail? I, I'm not saying it will. I'm saying, what if it does? Okay, hoorah. I am a child of God. And He has made promises to me that I would live in abundance, not lack. That I would be the head and not the tail. That He would bless me in the city, in the country, over here, over there. You know what I'm saying? It's like an Elmo. You never read Deuteronomy 20? It's like Elmo. Over here, over there, you know, in the country, out in the city. I mean, it's like Elmo. Far, near, you know? I mean, it's like, it's like God over and over and over again throughout the whole Scripture says, I want to bless you. God knew the context of the Canaan. Canaan. He knew that famines happen. He knew that that stuff. He knew all that stuff. He knows the context of our economy. He knows what's going to happen and what has happened. He knows the problems and the solutions. And your God, who knows everything about everything. I mean, come on. I mean, he's been around for a long time, right? I think he's ridden through a couple of storms. Our God knows everything about everything, and he's put his spirit inside of you and made promises to you. He wants to bless you. You say, but Dave, come on. You know, in the New Testament, you talk about Deuteronomy 28, the blessing. I mean, he told Abraham, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. Come on, but that's Abraham. Well, okay, well, we could say that, like, you are the people of God. You, you are the covenant people of God. You, you, you get the same thing Abraham got. Oh, yeah, but that's the Old Testament, you know? And what about the New Testament? You know, in the New Testament, it's just spiritual blessing, isn't it, Dave? I mean, come on, you know, Jesus never promised financial blessing, right? I mean, didn't he tell, you know, he, come on, man, he, he wants his people to be poor, doesn't he? Oh, he'll, he'll take care, he'll make sure you, you have your needs met. But, I mean, you know, Jesus wants Christians to be poor, doesn't he? Isn't poverty holy? Right? Do, does anyone think like that? Oh, lots. You ever heard that preached? You ever, you ever heard people wrestle? That's called human tradition. That's not, that's not what God said. Oh, come on. But in the New Testament, it never talks about financial blessing, abundance. It only talks about, about, uh, about, about you know, giving and in the New Testament, right? It only talks about, well, God will make sure your needs are met. Really? Hmm. Go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. This is the story of the rich, what most translations will say, or most Bibles will say, the rich young ruler, or the rich fool. This young man comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. He says to Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? You, most of you know the story. How can I inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus says, hey, you know, you've got to keep the commandments. He said, I did that. <laughs> okay, right? No, I did that. I kept all the commandments. I'm perfect. Sure. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus actually was like, okay, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. We know the story, right? Go sell everything. Isn't that what Jesus said? Go sell it all. One thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. See, Dave, there it is, treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. He says, give it all, you'll have treasure in heaven. It's not, he didn't say treasure on earth. He said spiritual blessing. You know Jesus, and Jesus will love you, and you'll love Jesus, and it'll be awesome, and this warm, wonderful, eternal spiritual hug. And, right? That's what he's talking about, right? Well, he, 
Yeah, he's talking about the fact that you give your life completely to Jesus. Completely. 100%. No holding back. No, well, can we negotiate about this? Well, can I keep control of some of my life? No, Jesus is Lord. It means owner, master, decision maker, king. He's going to rule the nations. He's just inviting you. Would you like to be saved? Would you like to have all your sin forgiven? Would you like to spend eternity with me? Would you like to rule the nations with me? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, then give it all and come follow me. And give to the poor. Why? Because that's who Jesus is like. He wants, he wants justice to the poor. He wants the poor to be blessed. He wants to be people to be pride fighted for. You partner with Jesus. You come into agreement with Jesus. You align with His kingdom. You embrace His values. And He says, here, here's eternal life. And you'll have treasures in heaven. Yeah, straight up. Reward in heaven. Blessing in heaven. But that's where it ends, right? And in this life, we just struggle live in poverty, just hope we make it through. You know, just, woe is us. We're just the scum of the earth as Christians. So, just, you know, right? Is that it? Is that it? Of course not. Of course not. Because Jesus says, remember what happened was the rich guy, he didn't get it, did he? He said, oh man, I don't think so. I'm really rich. And he walked away. And you know the guy was sorrowful, did you know that? From the other Gospels? He actually felt sad about that? Do you know just feeling sad about your sin? Feeling sad about the position you're in right now? Feeling sad that you can't surrender to God is not going to bring breakthrough? That you've got to repent, right? Oh, what does that mean? Is that a religious word? No, it means change. Stop living your way. Start living His way. You put your trust in Jesus as the forgiver and the leader of your life. Amen? Now, we're not talking about prosperity, something or other, you know, the selfishness gospel. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, man, give it all for the kingdom, right? Okay, but Jesus said, man, it's hard for, harder for a rich man to enter heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You know, you ever heard that at, at church where they're like, oh, well, you know, the eye of a needle was really this gate of the city and the camel had to duck down and, and take the stuff off the camel to go through the gate. Anyone ever heard that? It's totally a lie. There is no gate like that. You know what Jesus meant? Camel, needle, eye. Ow. You know what I'm saying? Ouch! That's what he meant. Man, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible. So his disciples say, Oh my goodness. I mean, his disciples probably weren't even like rich. But you remember Peter and the other guys, they were businessmen. Uh, 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 Matthew was a tax collector. So his disciples are like, um, How can anyone be saved? You know what I'm saying? I go, That stinks. I mean, camel, needle, ouch. Like, that's just not possible. Jesus said, Well, what's impossible for men is possible for God. Right? He's the Savior. Amen? And, and Peter, I love Peter. Don't you like it? Peter always pipes up. Uh, I got a question. He's that guy in the class. I got a question. I got a question. Um, we, we gave it all for you. We gave it all. We're following you. I mean, we've left, we left our business. Remember that? Remember Jesus blessed Peter abundantly? Huh, funny. And he left it all. He left the fishing nets and everything. He left his business and followed Jesus. So he says, Jesus, I, I left it all. What do we get? Did you like that? I love that about Peter. And Jesus said, stop asking questions like that. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. You need to live in lack and poverty because you're my follower. And when you go to heaven, maybe I'll think about blessing you. You know, I joke. Everyone here knows I'm joking, but honestly, don't people think God's like that? Doesn't our human tradition prop that kind of mentality up? Don't we subtly hear these kinds of thoughts about, well, he'll take care of your needs, but he won't bless you abundantly. So what did Jesus answer him? We'll just read in verse 29. 
so you can make sure that you're hearing God's word and not mine. Verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time <laughs> houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. You know, Jesus tried to make sure he was really, 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 really clear. Did you notice that? Because what if he said, well, I'll bless you. Oh, well, that's just spiritual. Because, you know, Jesus, he's just a spiritual savior, right? Yeah, right. No, he's the savior of the world and the Lord of everything. He brings redemption to every area of society and every area of our life. What did he just say? He just said, if you'll give it all for me and for the gospel. Did you catch that? He didn't just say for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, you know, because I just want to know Jesus and worship him and pray and read my Bible. He didn't just say that, did he? He said Jesus and the gospel, which means you've come into agreement that his gospel is the power to save, and you're on mission with him, right? Oh, you mean like going on a missions trip? No, we are on a mission field now here, right? He says you've given your life for Jesus and the gospel. You know that you are salt and light to the world, that you are a representative of Jesus, an ambassador of the kingdom, and you are here on this earth to be like Jesus and to say what he says and to tell people what? The gospel. When it says Jesus and the gospel, it means words, yes? Well, you know, I just want to live it, and I want to say it. Okay, read the Bible. He said, Jesus and the gospel. You give it all, right? Say, I'm surrendering my life. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. What did he promise you? Maybe, if I'm in a good mood, some of you, not all of you, only the Americans, right? Maybe the Japanese, if they're, but not the Africans. Right? No, no, not the urban poor. He didn't say that, did he? He said, no one who has left these things will not get a hundredfold, right? If you sacrifice this, you will get a hundredfold. What's a hundredfold? It means abundance. It means 100% return on your investment. Brian, if I told you for sure I could give you 100% return on your investment, right? And you knew I was faithful, not a quick get-rich-quick scheme, wouldn't you invest? You put $100 in a 100% investment, you're good to go. But you put the rest, man, right? This is the most sure thing that Jesus has said, I'm going to bless you a hundredfold. Why? Because anything you sow in the kingdom will bear fruit. Anything you sow into the kingdom will bear fruit. You make a sacrifice for God, He will bless you. You give your life for Jesus and the gospel, and He says, I'll take care of you. And guess what? I'm going to provide for you according to what? My riches and glory. It's not based on this economy. It's based upon His glory and His riches. And he said a hundredfold. And just to make sure we didn't think it was heaven, he said now, in this time. And contrast it with the age to come. And just to make sure we knew that knew it wasn't just spiritual blessing, he said, hey, you give a house, you'll get houses. Did you see that? If you give a house, you get houses. You give a land, you get more lands. You, you, you give your family. It doesn't mean sacrifice like physically. No, it means that you leave those comforts of your home. You leave your allegiance to your family and you say, I'm going to give my life to the gospel no matter the sacrifice. And he says, man, I will give you a new family. I, well, even oftentimes he redeems and restores our own family. You know, a lot of times it's family members that hinder people from coming to Jesus. And if they'll simply just say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what, family members start coming to Jesus. 
This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about just financial blessing. He's talking about healing of families. He's talking about joy and peace in the home. Remember, what does Proverbs say? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Why? Because when you're blessed by God, it starts from the inside out. It's not get rich quick. It ends up becoming worse problem than before, right? No, it's the blessing of God that is full of wisdom and love and peace and relational and emotional wholeness. You find life on the inside. And of course, the best, eternal life. Amen? This is the desire and the character of God. This is the heart of God. I mean, do you see that? Do you see that every word Jesus speaks reflects the heart of God towards you? Do you see that Jesus isn't just making it up? He's not blowing hot air? This is Jesus saying this in the New Testament, saying that you have a better covenant founded on better promises than even the Old Testament, that God's desire is to bless you. And let me tell you, His desire is like a father towards the children. Remember Jesus said, man, you being evil fathers, you know, He was saying that you're, you try, but you guys got brokenness and selfishness in your life. But you guys being evil fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, right? Remember Luke chapter 11? Jesus said, you guys know how to give good gifts. If your son asks you for a fish, you're going to give him a stone? Are going to belt him upside the head with a stone? Now, there are some evil dads out there who would probably do that. But Jesus is saying, talking to good dads at the moment. He's talking to, to Jewish fathers who are probably doing their best. Most of us here, we're trying to do our best as dads. And he says, hey, would you, would you, would you give your son a scorpion that was going to like bite him and kill him if he asked for something you know, like bread? No, you give him bread, right? Oh, Daddy, I'm just so hungry. Well, it's just going to teach you something. It's my will to keep you hungry because I want to teach you something. Right? Is that, are you going to say that to your kid? Okay, now, now let me ask you this. You say, but what about foolishness? God's not going to bless foolishness. I know you're thinking that. Of course you're not going to bless foolishness. Would you do that to your kid? You're just going to keep giving your kid money and it's going to just ruin their life? No. But what if your kid was struggling, addicted to crack, no job, living on the streets? Would you be like, I just really want my kid to be there. Wouldn't you be like weeping and praying and doing everything you could to convince your kid to come back home? I'm not talking about enabling. I'm not talking about God like blessing foolishness and wickedness and sin and rebellion. I'm not talking about that. No, we need to make adjustments in our life. What I'm talking about is, do you remember the prodigal son? How the prodigal son left the father's house? And what did he do with the father's money, his inheritance? He, what? Wasted it, yes? And he wasted it. Then he fell in. Then there was famine, right? Because, you know, you waste your money, then famine. And then he became a slave. Do you remember that? And what did he say to himself, the prodigal son? He said, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm eating pig slop. What am I doing here? I need to go back to my father's house. Because at least he's a good master. I mean, I'm not worthy to be his son. Okay, right? Shame. He's feeling shame because, man, I really messed it up. I blew my father's inheritance. Right? And, 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 and so the son decided, I'm going to go back to my father's house. And you guys know the story. As the son is coming back to the father's house, what does the father do? Just stands there with folded arms, all grumpy. Man, you got what you deserve, man. Did, did he say that? Did God feel that? Is that how God feels towards you? Well, you really messed it up. That's what you deserve. Did he, did he do that? Did he say, I gave you my money, and look what you did. To, huh? Look what I've done for you. I'm going to lecture you. You can sleep in the outhouse. But isn't this how we feel when we mess up? Some of you feel like that? Well, no, God wouldn't want to bless me because I really, I really made some bad choices. Yeah, maybe you did. Is that how God feels for you? How did God feel when He saw 
right? I'm talking about the prodigal father or the prodigal son's father. He looks with his own eyes. He sees what? He sees a dirty, smelly, broken kid. And this dad knows that kid blew it. Wasted the money, lived in sin, fell into famine and lack and poverty and slavery. And what did he feel inside? Compassion. Deep inside, the Bible says, and he saw his son and felt compassion. It means that his heart was moved, torn, overcome. Oh, my kid, and he's back, and I don't want him in this state. I've never wanted it. I want him to be blessed. I want him to be provided for. I want him to live and thrive. That's my desire. See, when we blow it, and when our economy falls apart, even if it's our choices, God's not like, well, now that's my will. No, He wills blessing. He desires your life to be thriving. And that doesn't change. When you mess up, all He feels is compassion. He feels, yeah, that stinks. Why'd you do that? And feels compassion. And of course, you know the story. The father ran to the son, put his robe on him, a ring on his finger, which was like a credit card, basically installing his inheritance immediately. And so let's kill the fattened calf because my son was dead and is alive. My son was lost and now he's found. We've got to celebrate. Okay, if, if, if we, being evil fathers, would give our kid bread, your kid comes to you and says, Dad, I need a job, and you have the ability to help him get a job, you're going to help him? You know, like he's going to try, right? Now, I don't mean entitlement. You're going to do it, right? Come on, right? And even if your kid was totally messed up, you'd be like, man, I just want my kid to change, right? Oh, Lord, change my kid. Okay, Jesus said it this way. How? Much more would your heavenly Father give you if you ask? How much more? Can I just tell you real quick as we end what how much more looks like? See how this roof is above our head? You know the stars are above our head too. Similar and absolutely incomparable. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how you guys like to give good gifts to your kids and you're going to make sure they have bread to eat and... You know, you want them to, to be blessed. You know that? How much more? There's not even a comparison. We're talking the infinite, holy, no one like Him, God, who loves you and created you for this purpose. Yes? It's like comparing this, the roof to the stars. It's not even close. So if I want my kids to be blessed and work hard and succeed in life and find purpose and find Jesus, how much more God? Right? And no matter if you're in a place of lack because of injustice or foolishness or whatever or the economy, He looks at you with compassion and the Father loves you. And I'm telling you, I'm declaring it to you in the name of Jesus. God desires you to live in abundance. He does not want you or His people to live in lack. That is not His economic strategy for America. And we as the church need to be salt and light. Salt pushes back decay. Light pushes back darkness. And guess what the church does? Pushes back economic recession. We need to be the answer to the problem. We need to be creating jobs. This is what I believe the Lord... We're going to be learning how the Lord wants to do this in our lives. Personally, very personally. And we're going to learn about the adjustments we need to make in our faith and in our lifestyles, in our words, in our thinking, everything. Everything. We need to make adjustments. Why? To align with His grace, His kingdom. But He is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, always having all sufficiency in all things, you would have an abundance for every good work. Deuteronomy 8 says this, that God gives you the power to make wealth. 
the power to make wealth. And I believe even today and, and, and throughout this series, I, I'm hearing some strong prophetic words from the Lord. And I am convinced that the Lord is going, for many of you, I'm, I'm just going to list it off real quick. I believe some of you here, you have businesses or you're going to have businesses. And the Lord wants to increase your business and cause you to abound. Even in the midst of this recession, why does He want to do it? So you can employ people? Abundance for every good work. Yeah? And I was just seeking the Lord, and the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing the Lord tell me that. The Lord wants to cause, and, I'm, and I know some of you specifically, but the Lord wants to cause your business, whether it's current or future, to abound. I, thought, I heard the Lord say some other things. He gives you power to make wealth. And I heard the Lord say, I want to release creative ideas and solutions. There is food in that fallow ground. There are creative ideas and solutions and strategies, whether for a business you have or you will have, or for your job. He wants to release favor. He wants to release promotion. He wants to give you the job you need, and He wants to cause you to excel, even in this economy. And I'm going to show you how the Lord will take His people throughout Scripture, and I believe prophetically, out of lack and into abundance. He has the wisdom, yes, but He has the power to cause you to do this. It's going to happen as you make adjustments and as you hear the Lord, as you hear from His Word. That's why you got to be back here. You know what I'm saying? you got to hear the Lord as He speaks to you about these things. And I believe the Lord uh, 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 just kind of wants to blow, us, blow the walls down, if you will, blow us out of the box and show us these things. I believe the Lord wants to bring abundance even to savings accounts. And I believe the Lord wants to bring abundance, listen to me, so that you can fulfill your calling. I believe some of you, it's believing God for Him to release things so you can do what you've wanted to do. So you can do what God has called you to do. And so you don't have to worry, but you can trust, my dad has me covered. Amen? Let's stand up and let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond to God and then we'll go have some great barbecue. Some of you here today, I don't know, but I want to throw this out there. I want to make sure I give you the opportunity. Some of you here today, you would love to see God's blessing on your life. Obviously not just in finances. You'd love to have your sin forgiven and know that you're free. You'd love to have His blessing flowing through your family. You'd love to know that you're going to heaven. But let me tell you, what did Jesus say? Unless you give your life for Jesus and the gospel, right? You can gain the whole world and lose your soul, right? The wicked can prosper, but not for eternity. You can gain the whole world, but lose your soul. But what did Jesus say? Man, if you give your life for, my, for Jesus and the gospel, if you give your life for my sake and the gospel, He said, eternal life. You'll gain your soul and blessing now. Some of you here today, you need to surrender, don't you? I want to invite you to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Some of you might even be saying, Hey, I've been a Christian. I ain't seen a hundredfold in my life. Well, that's because you need to plant the right kind of seed to get the right kind of harvest. We've been talking about this all summer. Four types of soil. One's rocky, one's thorny, one's uh, rock, uh, uh, hard, and one's fruitful. Not everyone automatically just, oh, yeah, oh, I accepted Jesus, I go to church, automatic blessing. No, you've got to do what He says. You've got to hear His voice and do what He says. So I want to invite you today. Some of you might need to just do it for the first time. Some of you for the second time. But just committing your life to the Lordship of Jesus. And the other thing I want to invite us to do is say yes to His promise. You may not understand it. I might have made you grumpy. That's what I get sometimes when people bring stuff up and I'm like, man, I don't see it like that. But it's what the Word said. You might be like, grr, surrender to the Word of the Lord. 
Surrender to what the Word says to you and say yes to His heart. Say yes to His desire. You may not even understand how He's going to make it happen. That's not the point. He's your Father. He's your provider. But if you'll say yes to Him, it plants the seed in the ground and gives God the opportunity to do it. Amen? Let's talk to God. So right now, just begin to tell the Lord that you surrender to His leadership in your life. If this is your first time, just say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I receive you as the Lord and the leader of my life. Just tell Him right now, out loud, with your own voice. Tell Him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. When you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. And so just tell Him that right now. Just tell the Lord, every one of us, tell Him, Jesus, you're my Lord. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You are the leader of my life. You are my owner. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to manage what you gave me. I'm going to trust you as my provider. I'm going to listen to your voice and do what you say. I'm going to make the adjustments. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to love you first. I'm going to give my life for the gospel. And I thank you, Lord. You will release a hundredfold blessing on my life. You will provide an abundance for every good work. I say yes to your promise. I say yes to your desire. I say yes to your love. I receive from you right now your love, your forgiveness, your compassion, your wisdom, your leadership, and your blessing, your abundance. And just tell Him, teach me to trust you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you right now. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. It's all for you, Lord. We open our hearts to receive. And Lord, we want to be givers. Teach us. Teach us to be a people of your kingdom. I thank you, Father, that this is what you want to do in your church. You want to convince us of these truths. And you want to show us how to release it. And you want us to be salt and light. You want us to be grace to this nation, to our friends and family. You want us to freely receive so that we can extravagantly, abundantly give it away. Lord, I ask that you would break off strongholds, lies, lack mentalities, human traditions that would keep us from receiving this from you. And I ask you, God, that you would cause us to set our sights on you, Jesus. To hear you and to look at Jesus so that we could walk on water. Father, I know that this is your heart for your people. I know that you love your people. I know that you desire this. And I'm asking that this week you would reveal this desire to your people. And beyond that, I also ask that you would even this week release blessing and promotion and jobs. And we thank you, Lord, that there's going to be a transformation and an increase in this season. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Cool. So, uh, there's going to be prayer teams in the back. If you need prayer for anything. Oh, <laughs> Tom said no. Tom said no. There will be prayer teams in the back.